Hey everybody, welcome to episode four of season two of Reporting is Eligible. Um, we are all stoked up for coming off a great game once again um, and uh, have lots to talk about because the Packers have their first kind of real opponent next week. But uh, b- before we get to that, I should do intros before I forget and then I should introduce myself before I forget that. But but first, joining us in, in lovely suburban Wauwatosa, we have... I'm J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Is it suburban Wauwatosa? Is Wauwatosa big enough to be... Like it is a suburb, but am I what? in like you're the not, outskirts somehow? You're not actually. That's a good point. You're actually in urban Wauwatosa, um, which <laughs> I would say so. Yes, yeah, that's that's true because you, you're on the east side, which is much more urban, close houses, smaller yards, um, walkable, very nice. Um, whereas whereas mm-hmm. my parents, for instance, live on the far outskirts of Wauwatosa, which is much much more suburban. Um, you know, giant huge yards. It's basically, on the Brookfield. Yeah, pretty much Brookfield. So. You're right. You're... So, like, there's this Brookfield, Tosa, Hayes, like, Halo. That's suburban Wauwatosa. Yeah, I agree with that. You're right. You're in the you're in the urban part, the good part. So, I would agree with that. And Yeah, East Town forever! <laughs> and in Colorado, as per usual. I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. Uh, APC Meme Smith, general Twitter rabble rouser. And I live on the west side of Colorado Springs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul Noonan, I write for Acme Packing Company, and I actually haven't lived here long enough to know which direction of St. Paul I actually live in. It's very confusing. The river kind of bends, and so you can't use the water. Uh, you know, when you're in the Milwaukee area, you you can always kind of rely on the direction of Lake Michigan to tell you kind of where you're heading. And here we got this like bendy part of the Mississippi, and it's all over the place, and I, I never know where I am at any given time. So um, in the middle somewhere, I don't know, who cares? Um <laughs> Did I did I ever tell you about my friend Nick from Chicago? Nope. So he's he's from Chicago, and when he and I met, I was living on the shores of Lake Michigan in Michigan. And so I was like, yeah, you know, it's really cool to watch the sunset over Lake Michigan. He's like, you watch the sun rise over Lake Michigan, you dumbass. <laughs> like, not, not 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 on this side. Not on this side. <laughs> it's the other. Well, that's fun. All right, before we get to football, really quick. Um, you you probably know we are part technically of the MKE tailgate Patreon, um, and to get the mini pods, you have to be a, a ball and glove member or higher. That's five dollars a month. Just so you know, um, at Acme Packing Company, with um, assistance slash blessing of Football Outsiders, we built the T-shirt last week um, on the dust up with Rob Domoski not liking DVOA. So um, we built the T-shirt that says Dork's Value Only Analytics um, DVOA down the side. And I, I got a bunch. Of, I got five of them. So I'm going to give them away to patrons. Uh, so um, I, I don't have them yet. Um, I'll probably have them in a, in a week or two. But um, we're, we'll go in the middle of October. So like, if you are a patron and you sign up before October is halfway over for Ball and Glove, if you're that level, you don't have to do anything other than that. We'll do random number generation. And if you are a, a patron, new or old, you'll be entered to get one of the shirts that I get. So keep that in mind. Head over to the, t- the Patreon, um, MK, or patreon.com slash MKE tailgates. And if you sign up for Ball and Glove or higher, you'll be entered to get a t-shirt. I don't know what sizes I'll have. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Maybe they'll fit. Maybe they won't. Um, but uh, but a, a fun little giveaway. We haven't done a giveaway yet this year because fantasy is going to be all weird. But uh, I, I got some swag. So you guys can have it. All right. On, on to the game because we had a we had a kick-ass game um, where we just completely destroyed an opponent for the second time in a row, which was super oh my fun. God. And then went for the jugular with the two-point conversion. Oh, <laughs> no, love no, it. No mercy. Uh, I'll, I'll break no gas for real. So, um, 
There's not. I'm sorry. Did you just say all break no? I'll, gas? I'll break no gas. It's it's very late. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all gas, no break. All break, no gas was the rest of the day. Um, so, um, but there's like, there's lots to talk about because so much went well. Lots of fun stuff. Even guys we didn't think were going to be very good this season have been playing really well. Um, Alan Lazard is the second best receiver in football according to DVOA right now. Um, there's there's really nothing to complain about. So, where do you guys want to start um, in terms of who we praise? Uh, so I, I would like to say that that uh, the behind-the-scenes work on the show is usually done by Paul. The pre-show rundown is traditionally set up completely by him. Uh, over the last couple of days, JR has been blowing up our DMs on Twitter <laughs> with like all the things he wants to talk about. So this show is 100% steered by JR's thoughts. And exclamation points. I wrote an essay for wrote an essay at jsonline.com about my relationship to sports in the COVID era uh, shortly before football season kicked off. I was feeling pretty down about it. Felt like baseball 60 game season just wasn't, you know, I think, I think we all knew it'd be a little inauthentic in terms of what we're used to with baseball, but it just, it just was striking me just very differently this year. It just, I, my relationship to baseball has just not been the same college football for big 10 fans. Wasn't really didn't look like it was happening at the time. Um, you know, the NBA had been it had been bad for Bucks anyway because they just didn't play well. But the whole experience it just it just left me feeling empty, and I tried to articulate why that was. And I it was, part of the timing was what happens if the Packers you know kick off and it's the same thing. It still doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel real. The no fans in the stand is still an issue. Not being able to go out to bars to commiserate is still an issue. Which, but not that that stops people. They go to the bars. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but. I, I have been pleasantly surprised. I don't know if my experience is the same as most. It's probably not. But the Packers being back has felt normal. And yes, the fans aren't in the stands. It's still very much not normal. But it feels different than the other sports have. It's on schedule. It feels like by the end of the year, we could see some fans in the stands. Although, again, not not if you look at numbers in Wisconsin. It's very discouraging. But uh, it feels like... It just feels normal to me. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm very happy to be participating in a football season. I, I recognize the dangers. There's there's always going to be some anxiety right now, unease with 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 why it's happening at all, how it's catalyzing these groups of people coming together. That's a problem, and I'm aware of it. But it is like for the first time, having sports back doesn't feel like this weird, you know, methadone sort of you know like <laughs> substitute. <laughs> it feels really like fo- like sports, like football. So to see the Packers do well is, is it's. Did nice. you see <laughs> the? Did you see the most recent NFL testing results? Yeah, zero. I saw another Fantastic. zero, another bagel. So there have been thirty-four thousand and change tests, and in that time, there have been five positive cases, all from uh, exterior personnel. Yep. They seem to be doing a very good job of keeping everything in good shape, of instilling discipline. They find three coaches who didn't wear their masks enough this weekend, um, and not a little a, bit of money, a yeah, hundred grand, hundred grand. And uh, to to the the credit of most, I've only I guess heard Pete Carroll, but Pete Carroll's like, yeah, that's on me. That was dumb. Um, not going to do it again. <laughs> John Gruden. Okay, then John Gruden. Then they Gruden also okay. find the team. So the, the coach gets fined a hundred grand and the team gets fined two fifty. Yeah. And that's some teeth. I, I know that these are giant, huge businesses, but hundred grand is nothing to sneeze at even for uh, an NFL football coach for, for one incident. So, um, good to see. I, I agree with all that. Like it, it feels totally normal to have like the all day Sunday NFL experience again. And it, yeah, it's weird to not have fans, but it's not that weird. We could, this is a sport we mostly consume through TV anyway. Like if you go to a football game, you go to you know, like one or two a year for the most part. It's not one of those things where most people have season tickets. 
And it just, it feels like completely normal. It's like if you're doing like red zone, I did red zone a little bit this weekend. That's even more normal because you're bouncing around. You don't, you don't have time to notice there's no fans. Red um, zone is the best. It's, it is the best. It's so good. Um, lo- love the red zone. Uh, so it's, it's good to have back. It makes the weekend so much more normal and, and so much like, you know, you, you don't go out on Sundays, you stay home and watch football and that's what you're doing <laughs> pandemic or not. So, so I, I would have normally been with you hundred percent, but this morning my Google photos reminded me that on this day last year, I went to my local Packer bar to watch the Packers Broncos yeah, game. I saw your and it was the, Wendy. it was the one time I left my house last year. <laughs> so it was just the worst time <laughs> Yeah, man. To go from new parent to uh, <laughs> to, to a to a pandemic, it's been a rough stretch as far as leaving yeah, the house so goes. Last it, year, well, last year May would have been over a year old, so so that wasn't yeah. so bad. But yeah, so it Still. was um, it was yeah the one game that I like went out and did something for. Yeah, it didn't work out. It'll be it'll be back soon. We're getting close. We got we got vaccine news. We're getting there early next year. Maybe not before the season's over, yep. but but it's on the horizon. Hmm. All right. so, it does strike me that the Packers getting that win to start the year in Minnesota has some added value when you consider by the end of the year, we might have fans in the stands. And had that been an end of the year game instead of a beginning of the year game, you'd have to think about. I mean, that's obviously one of the toughest venues they'd have to play in. You don't have to worry about it. They've already got their road win over the yeah. Vikings out of the way. So that's an that's an extra an extra value. Now, maybe we have no fans for any of the games. and It's all moot, but I, I don't know. Yeah, with their stupid polyethylene roof. Even if they could, <laughs> even if they could let in a few fans, the excuse to pump in crowd noise is all they need. Like just yeah. a just a minimum level where they can get away with it. So definitely an advantage. I also, gotta think a few fans is is a difference maker. Like you know, sixteen thousand in that Thursday night game on TV, it sounded like a normal game, and obviously it's not going to sound exactly the same in the stadium. But you know, I, I think it's like you know, even if you're at a high school game the place gets loud it gets loud when you're surrounded in that environment I, I think you don't really notice the added decibels you just notice the noise at all so uh you know i, I think that will make a difference yeah uh, that's that's totally true uh and obviously varies from place to place as well and if you're spread out maybe different uh, lambo is actually one of the the quieter parks uh, even i bet ten thousand people in lambo doesn't sound great but a lot of a lot of stadiums i think would be would be fine and we did we've heard that a couple times so well, it's, it's funny. My wife, not the football fan, watched part of the game with me. And she said that there was something that just looked wrong about Lambo empty. Like when we went on, when we went on our stadium tour, she said that it just felt off. Like, like we weren't supposed to be there. It's weird. But mm-hmm. eh, what are you going to do? It'll be full soon. Just a matter of time. Anyway, let's talk about Rick Wagner. Yeah. Rick Wagner, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Incredible. He, he was great. I- but we really, I mean, you you should talk. I mean, obviously the headline here is Aaron Jones. He plays like a boss, has more yards than anyone like ever or something. And uh, <laughs> and the fact that they were able to adjust to, you know, in, in, in week one, Minnesota tries to take Aaron Jones away and it's all Devontae Adams all the time. In week two, they try to take Devontae Adams away and it's all Aaron Jones all the time. And the, the, the fact that they seem to have this, this push and pull, they could go past, they could, they could make Aaron Jones the featured weapon is so cool. None of it works if you don't have the offensive line. And I mean, man, Rick Wagner was awesome. They were all awesome. Elton Jenkins is freaking awesome. That's going to end Bakhtiari up Bakhtiari is his usual self. Yep. Elton Jenkins is going to end up being the steal of that draft. And he was a high pick. But, you know, he's picked as a guard. He was great as a guard. But he is apparently great as a tackle. Uh, he's been phenomenal mm-hmm. in two games as a tackle. He's clearly the right tackle of the future. 
I like half wonder if in a few years he may end up being the left tackle of the future. <laughs> um, hmm. But uh, th- that he was a center in college. He was That's a center crazy. in college. There, the, the Packers remain the best at scouting offensive linemen by by far. They like get him how how I don't know because I, none of there's no pattern. Like some of them are high res guys, some aren't. They they turn guards into tackles. And it's supposed to go the other way. Um, that like even John Runyon, who was like a sixth round pick, stepped in. Um, and it was fine. Like, you know, r- rookie rookies going into Carter are not fine all the time. Let's get people have bad offensive lines. Um, it, it's it, it's really incredible what they've managed to do uh, with like every pick they made of any importance there. And Jenkins was great. Rick Wagner also, by the way, like he's had a few good seasons, but not a great touted free agent signing. I was down. I actually thought he was kind of bad, to be honest. Um, turns out when he's healthy, he's great. He's also fantastic, uh, and he is apparently healthy now and had a, just a fantastic game, one of the highest PFF-graded players in the game, and uh, I think has no no pressures, no losses so far this year. Uh, everybody has been phenomenal on the whole line, regardless of where they are in the depth chart. Um, every team should have this. No other team has this embarrassment to riches so like we do. Something, something that we do need to watch out for is Lindsley sprained his thumb on his snapping hand. Um, so I worry next next week there might be a couple, two, three weird snaps. That's I did not actually know that, and yeah, that's not a good injury. That usually causes. Yeah, that's why he at least that's why he fumble. left the game. Okay. Yep. So they, they'd flip Lucas Patrick to center, and Lucas Patrick, another like utility guy who can do anything seemingly well. So uh, <laughs> so that would be that would be all right in the short term. But like you said, you could see two or three goofy snaps. There's. You know, the Lindsley Rogers thing has worked very well. Lindsley hasn't missed a lot of time. So uh, you could see that being a problem. Well, going back real quick to your point about how well they scout, I, I cannot get out of my head that David Bakhtiari was a second team all conference player in the Pac 12, <laughs> I believe, the year before he came out. Now, I might, there's a chance I'm misremembering that, but that always struck me like um, they took some second team all conference. No, that, guy. And that Colorado team was bad. Yeah. They were bad, bad. Right. bad. Yep. What I, did they see? No what idea. could they have seen? So the the thing is, is is when you're the best player on a bad team, I think it hurts your your draft stock. It hurts your visibility. And like when when Bakhtiari was drafted, every local in Colorado was like, "Why in the ever loving crap did you pull anyone off of that dumpster fire of a team?" I don't know, <laughs> man. He's fourth round pick. Who cares? Now he's, now he's still the best left tackle. He's the best left tackle. Best, yeah, best and it's one block. thing like, so I, I will not pretend to be an expert on linemen technique or any, any other thing that linemen do. Um, but there are those people and I'm sure that they can tell when a college guy has potential based on his, you know, his actual technique and his body type and things like that. But like every NFL team has those guys. What's so special about the Packers? Um, <laughs> they really do seem to have figured out something that nobody else manages to get they just it doesn't even matter like guards tackles whatever everybody seems to be able to play everywhere and effectively so it's nuts it's it uh it's so good to see and it i know we have some questions about aaron jones later and whether we should pay him or not um and i'm not going to say it doesn't matter who's behind the line because aaron jones is phenomenal but like as long as they keep cranking out great offensive lines um it it makes that question uh, kind of a little easier to answer because it's running behind the Packer offensive line is really kind of a treat. 
Um, <laughs> and on his long touchdown, he he did he did one nice job of making a guy miss, but that was a big old hole, and he read it right. Mm-hmm. But man, that was a big old hole. He had a couple more just giant holes to run through. Um, oh, it, a run game, um, just great performance all the way around from everybody in it. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure he was untouched until he had to make a safety miss. Yeah, I think that's right. Which is insane. Mm-hmm. It was a hell of a read, though, it for was. him to cut back like that. He does hit all the right holes. So uh, when you're untouched, it's, it is a lot of your offensive line. But you got to yeah, run like, the right place. Eddie Lacy, Eddie Lacy hit all the right holes. Uh, <laughs> James Starks did not. So there you go. There's your, like, your uh, not everyone can run behind the Packers line because Starks <laughs> always wanted to bounce outside instead of actually taking the read that was given. That is true. That was one of James's problems. Ran hard, not the best eyes. Um <laughs> Did, did you guys see the Tyler Irvin play that Jack Wepner tweeted earlier today, where he mentioned motion? Oh, the, oh man! I'll, I'll I'll send it over later. But where the where the lines ran into each other? Where the lines ran into each other? Um, just based yeah. just based on Tyler Irvin's motion, the two uh, inside linebackers for the the Lions were following different people and not watching each other. Just crashed into each other. I think that was the Sternberger play action play, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. So, like, Sternberger's guy ran into the guy guarding Irvin because they weren't watching carefully, and that's why Jay Sternberger was so open. He dropped it, but that was like a I don't a touchdown or close to it if he catches it. So, um, Tyler he Irvin had all the green grass in the world. There was there was nobody there. It's just a matter of how fast he is, and I'm still not sure because he still keeps not catching the ball. But uh, but uh, that play worked. Tyler Irvin didn't have a huge statistical game, but he sprung a touchdown for Jay Sternberger if the guy hangs onto the ball. And it was hilarious. It was he was in the backfield a, f- a few times. Can you sort of explain what's going on there? Why the motion, like what, what they're setting up? He was obviously, you know, they didn't go to him on any of those plays, but it, it seemed to do something for them it's, for the running game. Um, reading man coverage, basically. That's pretty much then, right. So, so oh, <laughs> go ahead, Matt. I'll let you you start it. No, I was gonna say like like the the Lions play more man than anyone else, and they don't hide it either. Yeah, that's and so any any little tiny bit of pre snap motion, and someone's gonna follow another guy. And when you get Irvin, uh, doing his jet pre snap motion, and you get someone like like really cranking along with him, if you run a play to let's say the opposite side or straight up, like they're not gonna be able to stop their motion to go after the ball carrier. Right. So it, you're you're essentially you're blocking someone by using their own eyes. Irvin's a <laughs> Irvin's a mess for a team play like Detroit playing all man. So you might think he'd be kind of a zone beater just by kind of sniping whatever area is open, but since he is kind of a, a true hybrid wide receiver running back, when he starts in the backfield they have to designate somebody to him and they can create all kinds of overloads just by running him to one side or the other and, and making that guy guarding him sort of into a natural pick for somebody else. Like there's all kinds of stuff you can do. And the Lions are run a very or a stu- literal a literal a pick literal for pick. Someone like else? like literally what happened there by running a guy into a literally another guy, not just a brush off. But, um that's the idea is just to create traffic and have this running back where you don't know where he's gonna go, like taking a safety way over where he's not supposed to be. Or, you know, grabbing a nickel back and bunching him up with Adams so Adams has a, an easier release. Um that's kind of the thing there. So Irvin's a, a weird player because he is, you know, not really a running back in in not even the traditional sense. He's really a wide receiver, just a tiny scat back guy. So Oh man, what's his what's his name from the Chiefs? Uh Dante Hall. Yeah. Dante Irvin Hall. Irvin is like a poor man's Poor man's not that. Or rich man's Denard Robinson, if you want, who was on Jacksonville for a while and listed as offensive weapon. That was his hey, position. I grew up in Michigan, man. Denard Robinson was awesome in college. He was awesome in it was college. It was fun to watch in college. Yeah. He was. Um, 
yeah, that's the deal with him. And I think they'll use him more as the season goes on. And I think he'll actually have a few games here and there where he gets the ball a lot, uh, especially when you do run up against a little more zone. The, the Lions, by the way, well, do remember play. last year. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say last year, Rodgers couldn't hit a wheel route to save his life. And so Irvin had a lot what appeared to be wasted targets. Yeah, true. Where he was open and Rodgers missed him. So maybe he won't miss him this year. Maybe. <laughs> Indeed. I don't think we'll have Matt Patricia much longer over in Detroit to pick on because this is really his defense now. They play literally the Patriots defense. That's what we saw. Um, and they just don't have the personnel to run it. And it's pretty clear if you don't have Belichick picking out your guys to run that defense, it doesn't work so well. So um, they're going to get torched all year. He's just a bad coach. That guy's terrible. Um, I've, the Lions really can pick him. They never get a good coach. Uh, Jim Caldwell, I should excuse from that, who actually did a, a yeoman's job with a tough situation and I think is the winningest coach of the last like 50 years for them. <laughs> he got fired after going 9-7. and seven. Yeah, 9-7 and seven for the Lions <laughs> should get you like a lifetime contract. So, yeah. Anyway, at least we have Matt to pick on one more uh, year. And that is sort of the the down not downer but like the grain of salt it's the same as last week you know and minnesota not showing up against indianapolis sort of uh sort of reinforces that that team's not <laughs> as good as people thought they were going to be they no. did not look good and they were not good detroit's the same way like those corners obviously overmatched i mean jeff okuda 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 see i always think it should be okuda and then i second guess myself so jeff okuda probably going to be a great cornerback someday today ain't it and Aaron Rodgers <laughs> ate him for lunch, ate the other guy. Like, it just was you know. Well, you know, it's Troy, funny. Troy's funny not about Okuda. I, I sent screenshots of this to, to Jason B. Hershorn because he was like, oh, my God, Okuda got cooked so bad. And I was like, you know, Devontae cooked Slay exactly like that. Yeah. There was no way. There was two yards of separation. <laughs> I, I sent him a screenshot of a Devontae play where you could only see the tip of Slay's face mask in the screen. <laughs> Uh, and it was man coverage. Yeah. So, like, I told him, I was like, you know what? Devontae just cooks people. He does That's that. what he does. That's his job. <laughs> we do have to, I think we do have to, take this, yep, we have to, we have to take this all with a grain of salt, though. You're right. And these teams are, they're A, they're bad teams. B, um, they're both basically missing their best receiver, Minnesota, permanently, who he's now in Buffalo, making Buffalo look very good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Kenny Galladay was out for the Lions, which, it, you know, they had a rough day on offense. The Packer defense played quite well. I think that they'll be able to hang, you know, stop Detroit well enough to beat them a second time. But he makes a big difference to the offense. He is the best player on that offense by a good amount. And we're going to have that happen again. So the Packers are not going to be tested by a number one receiver for quite a while here because Michael Thomas is going to miss this next game for the Saints as well. So, um, yes, the Packers have looked great. And they've killed bad teams. And that is what you're supposed to do to bad teams. But... Uh, they also play a part in being bad and making you look good. So hopefully it keeps up, um, but uh, you never know. It'll be interesting to see what happens when you run into a good team for the first time. But it's not going to happen very often this year, not for a while. It's, it's not going to happen next week. Yep. There's my hot take. It's not. They're not good. They're did bad. You, did you guys catch any of the game? I watched like the whole thing. It was. I had not seen Breeze play in a while. He is. I think he's washed. Like I, I don't say that he's, lightly, but... He, he looks like Peyton Manning, he, like the he, death he, rattle of Peyton Manning. Yeah, you can kind of tell when those old guys are washed, and I think he's finally there. So that, that arm is toast. Peyton Manning had a defense. He, yeah. Manning had a defense to carry him, and Drew Brees doesn't have that right now. He does not. Running game is good. Uh, but... 
Look at I, the schedule, and I, I think I told you this, Paul. The schedule is is delightful. I mean, you, you look is. at the early results, you see San Francisco suffering just a ridiculous sea of injuries. I mean, Carolina's on there. Tennessee's going to be a problem. Tampa Bay's got a decent defense, but like they're you know considering this division, especially. I mean, the Bears are two and zero, but like barely scraped by two teams that no one thinks is great. So like. This schedule is is favorable. Holy smokes, does it look good right now? It really does. That's why you can't judge a schedule before the season starts because you never know what's going to happen to everybody. And it like before the season, it looked Im- really imposing, and now it looks just like a kind of a cakewalk. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know they've been a regression candidate, but the thing about the Packers always being a regression candidate is like if they have extra losses, they got to come from somewhere, and the Lions and Vikings have had things hit them just far more severely than the Packers had. They maybe will drop one to the Bears. We'll see. The defense is still good, but uh, I don't know where they're going to lose any random games. They're just way better than their most of their schedule. But also, can we talk about how the Packers have technically regressed in the way they were supposed to? That's true. That's a good point because they're, uh, it was a one-score game thing. It was um, based on not having as many interceptions. And those things, like, they haven't played a one-score game yet. They're just playing much better than the teams that they're playing against. And their defense is playing, not, I'm not going to say outstanding, because they're getting run on, and they still have are having some garbage time issues, or dated against the Vikings anyway. But they look better. They look more, more like a good technical defense. Of they look competent, competent, as opposed to lucky. Yeah, exactly. That That's a good way to put it. Like, they're not just getting, like, a bunch of ha-ha garbage to get them off the field. They're actually getting stops <laughs> when they need to. Oh, Kevin King's a star now. I know we'll talk about defense later, but Kevin King isn't man, isn't, don't even throw isn't at he him considered now. one of the best like red zone corners he right is. now? He is. Kevin King's weird man. Like he's, he's he graded out last year as like the third best red zone corner by um, I think Doug Ferrara did that. I always get him and Mike Tanya mixed up. So whoever did that, um, but he's great in the red zone. He's vertical, and that's what you got to be in the red zone. But he does get toasted on the longer mm-hmm. field a bit. But nobody's throwing at him. I went and checked his stats, um, and there's like not enough to, to, to really judge him on yet. I don't even know who's being picked on. It, it seems to be all like weird safety and linebacker matchups. Jair, I was going to say, like, I remember hearing Chandon Sullivan's name. I remember hearing uh, Savage's name. But then like like Jair gave up like that one play. He gave up that one play. Chandon got a little bit roasted in the Vikings game, but he was nails in, in the the Lions game. He was great. He, he was great in run support. He graded out very highly. He had a bunch of passes defended. He had the interception. That interception was phenomenal. Um, just it was. Great break on the ball. Uh, so I, I think he just had a bad first game to the season with you know not as much work. That guy, Chandon told we... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, can we talk about how that play made me tweet out my most intelligent tweet probably ever? Sure. What was we'll it? The, the, um, how the play design was stupid. Oh, the play design was stupid. They, yes. Re- please. We haven't yes. done describe a meme in a while. This is not really describing a meme, but it's close. So, <laughs> so, so the play was uh, play action to the left with uh, uh, Danny Amendola running just like this like little three-yard hitch. You, you should never run play action at your intended receiver because the cornerback who's guarding him can both look at the running back and the receiver at the same time. Exactly. So Fool- there's, no, there's no reason for him to take his eyes off of Amendola that whole time. It fools and him it, into looking where the ball is going. Exactly. <laughs> Which is what that play was. So It was still a great play by oh, Sullivan, so but it was a dumb, dumb play designed by poor Daryl Bevel. Not his best work there. Oh man, I can't remember who it was in the booth, but one of them was like, "I bet that corner the whole time was going throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it." 
But um, it's before we get away from. But, all right, keep going. Oh, um, Chandon, Chandon, real quick was he was a small sample size star last year. He graded out really well up by PFF and on all his football outsider metrics when he was in the slot. Um, he kind of split time there with Tremont, but overall the the slot defense for the Packers was uh, I think like third overall, just outstanding last year. So everything kind of told us that Sullivan was, if not a star in the making, at least a a well above average defender. And with a few minor bumps against Minnesota, he's been that so far. So, yay for that. Before we switch full full stop into defense, the the Aaron Jones thing, I want to revisit the, this contract thing because <laughs> I we've obviously talked about it a lot. You know, you would be on the side of you just don't pay the running back. You're not alone. A lot of people feel that way. I mean, they're they're just they're gonna pay him, right? <laughs> no. Like it would. I just can't imagine this Packers team taking that stand with a guy who's this productive and you know he's got personality and everything. And we talked about the teams. Teams are paying their guys like Dalvin Cook got paid he by did. a Vikings team that pays attention to analytics and stuff like I just I, I can't imagine the Packers not paying him like that would be so bold at this point. But if they pay him, they can't pay Bakhtiari well, and because Aaron Aaron Jones is going to get 14 million. A year. Bakhtiari gonna... said this and I don't know if it's true, but he's like, you can finagle things. You can make the cap work. <laughs> and if you, if you want a guy bad enough and, and I, I don't, maybe they don't want Aaron Jones bad enough, but like, I don't know. I just feel like they're find a way to get him on, get him on board for a long term. There's... But, but I mean, you're right. They can't just give up on Bakhtiari. They can't make that choice. That's, so I don't that's know. the problem fundamentally, though, is in a salary cap league, I mean, they can say you can finagle it as much as you want, but you run into, you hit it eventually. The Saints hit it a bunch of times. The Vikings are going to regret that Cook contract. Like, that's a contract you give a guy when you're competing right now. They're no longer competing right now, and the reason they're not competing right now is because they were up against the cap and they had to let a bunch of defensive players go, especially in the secondary. They had to fill them with cheaper players, fill them with draft picks, and that was caused by primarily Cousins overpaying a few other guys. But uh, when they when they gave that money to Cook, they kind of ruined any quick rebuild that they might have. And it's hard, you have to make hard choices like that. The problem with Jones isn't so much that he's not worth paying. It's that there's enough teams out there that still pay running backs too much. There, there's a middle class of teams that kind of realize, all right, you know, this guy's good. He's valuable. It's not like running backs are totally worthless. That's not really our point. But like he's he's probably worth more like five or six million dollars a year. That's probably the going rate for a free agent running back who's twenty six years old, without the dumb teams overpaying. The the problem is sure. there's going to be some team that sees his production and sees he's still pretty young, which he is, and decides that they're going to give him like fourteen million dollars a year. And that's the pro that's the fundamental problem is you're competing with the person who's going to pay him the most. Uh, that's going to be a bad front office that overvalues the position too much. So. And that's a big difference. Like, you know, the the difference between what he is probably worth in terms of wins added versus what he can get paid is just really big. <laughs> so I don't think they can pay him because to keep him, you have to overpay him a lot. And they're gonna be, there's going to be a big argument internally. The Packers have their own analytics guys. Aside from having analytics guys, they have a famously frugal um, front office in terms of handing out deals. And they've, they're more than happy to let positions go when they, you know, they guess they might decline, like guards especially. Like old guards do not get resigned by the Packers. I suspect you might see the same, same with running backs. If they can get him on a short deal, like going through his age 28 season or 20, 29 season for medium money, yeah, all right. But I just I just don't see that happening. Um, 
he's going to get he's going to get 56 over 4 yeah. like someone's going to give him that so should we should we bring to the, to light discussion we had behind closed doors that will probably get us kicked out of packer fandom well, i don't know i don't want to edit again but what it sure <laughs> um do we trade aaron jones now oh geez i'm football trades don't happen so i'm just saying like like some team so like like it's not unheard of to give a pass rusher give up a stupid pick for a pass rusher just for the opportunity to pay him like are i don't team stupid enough to give up a second just to pay a running back i don't think so um it, he's still valuable this year he's still cheap this year and i i, I mean if you what would it take for you to have to trade aaron jones i'm not even sure like a I'd want it to make it worthwhile, not like my head getting chewed off by fans. I think I'd want a first, and nobody's going to do that. So, yeah, I, I Fair enough. Yeah, uh, you know, you got to appease so your that's, fan base. There's too. the headline: uh, Paul Noonan values running back as first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, but like, he's good. But they do have this out. This, they have this awesome line, and he. He looks good because he is good, but he also looks good because Jamal Williams isn't good. So it's not like you can throw anybody back there to run the ball, but Jamal Williams is a bad runner. He's good at other things, but he's a bad runner. So that makes Jones look even better. And we haven't seen Dylan that much, and he's a different kind of player. He's a giant weird freak, but um, uh, he's probably gonna be <laughs> he's probably gonna be fine behind that line if he has any vision at all. Because I mean, if the guy just hits a hole and pushes forward two yards, he'll be somewhat valuable. So. Um, Tell you what, we we did get to see some of his body control in that game. Yeah, we did. He looked good. Like his, he was hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage and gained three because he barrel rolled out of it. Yep. Like it looked like the Randall Cobb touchdown return yep. was awesome. The other thing to remember about Aaron Jones is he's a fifth round pick, and that that's the other reason that you don't spend on these guys is because you can find Aaron Joneses in the fifth round or later with some <laughs> regularity, like. Raheem Mostert was an undrafted free agent. They've had a ton of guys who are UDFAs or late round picks that work out okay. Camara so, was a fourth round pick. He was a third. He was in the same draft as Jones. I, yeah. Okay. I remember writing the analysis and being like, "We got Alvin Kamara Jr. for way less draft capital. We're great." So, yeah. <laughs> Turns out we got Alvin Kamara Sr. Turns out we did. <laughs> <laughs> So it, it's going to be tough. And so we saw. Oh, now nah, let's move on. We've talked enough about how we're not going to pay Jones and piss everybody off. <laughs> I still just I, I feel like I feel like the Packers are going to pay him. I, I mean, I realize what you're saying. I just feel like the Packers will will pay him. They, who is the who is the last running back the Packers paid? Oh, that's a good question. Ever. Dorsey Levins. Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant. Yeah. on. No, Ryan Grant would have been, been after that. After, that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So, but it's also been a slog. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not relying on their running backs, so it makes sense. It's just uh, it, there hasn't been, you know, a really reliable running running back since Ryan Grant with uh, until Aaron Jones. So yeah. we saw. So you, I mean, but, Brandon Jackson was incredibly reliable, <laughs> but more of a Jamal Williams. <laughs> he was a guy who ran the ball. Yes, he, Brandon Jackson. I would, you know what, Brandon Jackson could probably start at right guard for half the league right now. That was the old uh, Brandon Jackson, John Kuhn, James Starks, Dimitri Nance Super Bowl winning backfield, friends. <laughs> so good, so good. By the way, Brandon Jackson, I believe, averaged five point one yards a carry that season. So he he Not was bad, wow. actually pretty pretty good. 
Also, can we talk about how Jamal, up until the end of the game, was averaging ten yards a carry? He was. The la- don't, it was on like three carries, but still. Yeah, this is not the best time to have the Jones conversation because I think a lot of people are going to run <laughs> up on the lines pretty well. David Montgomery did it against them in week one. He was also like number five in DVOA. And really, that's just the line run defense being, you know, 32 in run defense. So um, let's let's revisit again in a few weeks when we've had a, a few tough tougher defenses to face. We saw what this looks like when Devontae Adams is on the sideline with the uh, with the hamstring tweak. Uh, it seems like he's going to play this week, but you know, after he was so productive in Week One, you don't. I I don't really. Most people want to envision what it looks like in the passing game if he's unavailable going forward for any length of time or or limited or whatever it is. Are you comfortable if uh, you know if Devontae can't go? seems like it seems like that would be okay it seems like the way you know he's he's got full trust in a lot of people if the tight ends can catch a ball if mvs <laughs> can catch a ball it seems like i mean aaron jones made one of the most spectacular catches of the game so it seems like they could they could make that work right yeah i think they can uh i wouldn't want to do it for too long so i think they can compensate for some Devonte loss just through play calling and gimmickry and things like that but um, he does give you that sort of bread and butter, easy seven yard out every once in a while that keeps the offense moving. And y- you are going to miss that. And I think eventually people will solve the Packers without Devontae if he misses a lot of time. Uh, just because the rest of them are, they have niches, they're all good at something, but nobody really creates their own shot like Devontae, to, to put it away. Like MVS is like your, your three pointer guy. You can spring open for a three, but he can't create his own shot. Alan Lazard is like a good, like, Oh, glue guy, very efficient, but also can create his own shot, but he'll finish nicely. You need Devontae there to open everything else up. Otherwise, you uh, you expose yourself a little bit. But I think for, for a small sample size, they did it last year when he was out. They, they were actually very good offensively without Devontae for a few games last year. And I think just through play calling and using DeGuerra and Irvin sort of trickily to compensate for him not being there, they'll get by. Uh, just I think like three games is kind of the ceiling on that before they start to feel it. Hey, maybe we'll have EQ back. Maybe so. That was a weird one. I didn't even know he was hurt until he got put on IR. <laughs> I don't think anyone really did. Yeah. So when EQ was healthy, he was actually making the timing routes. Like he was he was an out-route guy. He's a fairly crisp route runner. At least was. We haven't seen him play for quite a while. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's your... If, if Devontae sees significant time out, I think once EQ comes off of IR, he's going to be the the timing guy. Yeah, I think he's the guy who pretends to be Devonte. I agree with that. Just you know, can't yeah, really, can't really replace pretend- Well, it's funny. So, like uh, in the Saints game, I remember one of the announcers called it out. Um, whoever the Saints had playing the X was literally just running slants the whole game. <laughs> like that's that's the Michael Thomas route. Like, <laughs> yeah, that does it, the. The Lions did that in week one with uh, they just put Cephas in for Galladay and that didn't work because Cephas is a rookie <laughs> who has no, had no preseason games. Uh, I don't I don't get teams sometimes. I guess I get it when it's the Lions. They did the wrong thing because they're the Lions. That's what they do. <laughs> I was listening to the Green Nineteen podcast, which is a which is a plug. My colleagues Jim Ozarski and Tom Silverstein they do a great job covering the Packers and usually have a new pod posted the night of the game from the stadium, recorded in the stadium, and and listening to them talk about 
receivers and Aaron Rodgers and it kind of reframed it a little bit for me. And maybe this is abundantly obvious to people, but it just struck me differently in talking about him having trust with his receivers. It occurred to me that maybe it's less about that trust being built from a, a confidence in their ability level, their skill level, or, you know, like it's not Aaron Rodgers saying to himself, I can't throw it to MBS because he's going to drop it. It's more like he just has such a high bar of openness that a receiver needs to be because he's so, you know, he's historically great at preventing interceptions. Yep. He, he the, the threshold, the, the bar is so high for him. He needs guys to run those routes crisply. And then he trusts the space, not so much the receiver, but the space that he has. And, that that kind of dawned on me as I watch him continue to go back to MVS and and knowing that this scheme that Matt Lafleur has cooked up seems to be better at creating opportunities for receivers and and just seems to be working getting guys open even Devonte Adams when you target him eighteen times he's still getting open I know that's you know some of his release and some is the scheme and um, you know maybe to to me that sort of speaks to what we we're seeing out of Aaron Rodgers this year he is. Capable of go- he, he goes back to guys. He's not giving up on anybody. He's gonna he's gonna keep throwing the ball to guys like Sternberger, even if they drop it a couple times, <laughs> because they are getting open. They are giving him the space that he trusts. I don't know if that's accurate, but I think that's, that's just I mean, sort that's, of- that's twenty ten Rogers for you, man. Like how many times did he go back to Jordy after a drop? And there were many drops. People yeah. do do not remember those, but yeah. they were many. Jordy did not have like, good hands originally. Uh, that is very no, true. He didn't. Um, so, Devante. Devante had a struggle. He had a really cu- rough start. Oh, yeah. Go go on on Twitter and search for the word dropped Vante. <laughs> Bet you can find it. I remember speaking. I, I actually in stupid, you know, blind acorn, blind squirrel acorn thing. I remember having arguments with people like I really still believe in Devante Adams. I think he's going to be good. And and I know the guy I was talking to. It might have been me. People giving up on him. <laughs> no, it wasn't you. It's, it's one of my worst calls ever. So it very well might. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was... I, I, I don't know any better, but like, I, I just believed that there was still something there and then, you know, he's emerged. Yep. You can, will, also, go, you say... can also go play um, coach Mike's three minute miracle, the video game I wrote for Acme packing company, because Devante <laughs> is kind of the villain of it. And if you target him at all, he always <laughs> drops it. <laughs> so Devante so, is sorry. Sorry. There was yes. a... <laughs> Devante is, the, the last line of every slide that he does, that is Devante is sorry. And I'm, I'm sorry, Devante, that I doubted you. You, uh, you, you shoved that directly in my face. Good work. Uh, uh, I was. Ne- I can see that developing. I love it. I was never team Janice over Adams because I always thought that was stupid. <laughs> that is stupid. <laughs> I was never that. Um, but yes, I was. I was team cut Devonte, and I apologize. Yep. I do think that's a a, a prescient um, observation by by Jim, who's an underrated Twitter follower, by the way. He's very funny. Um, he. I was listening to uh, the Off the Charts podcast, which is Aaron Chat's uh, podcast, when he had on Mike Sando, who wrote the piece about Aaron Rodgers is actually still good. And Mike Sando, one of his criticisms was that offenses, offenses like the LaFleur offense and the Shanahan offense are often fine with bad quarterbacks because they do create so much separation by scheme. But uh, he, he thought, like, he, he actually said, Rodgers is a Ferrari, you don't want a Ferrari in this offense. Um, a lot of times they actually prefer to have, like, a Camry in this offense, somebody who's reliable and cheap. Um, but I think that's a misread of Rodgers because I think you're right that he he's very conservative with um, only wanting to throw to open guys. And he's great at throwing two guys who are open. So if, if you give him guys that are open, he will hit them far more frequently than Jimmy Garoppolo will and, and other guys of that ilk. So I think it is maybe kind of the perfect offense for a guy like Rodgers who doesn't want to risk ever throwing interceptions because it springs guys for big for like low risk, big plays. And that's his bread and butter. So um, I think this is just a great matchup. Have you okay? So, like, believe it or not, I have used that exact analogy for other things in life. 
uh, I, I called it commuting in a race car. <laughs> um, because you can still drive to work in a Ferrari. Yeah. You can still you can. go to the you can go to the grocery store in a Ferrari. But the horsepower is there when you need it. Exactly. The magic is there when you need it. And so yeah, I've it's so funny. I've used that analogy many many times in my life. That is a good comp. But yeah. So Aaron Rodgers commuting in a Ferrari. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about Rashawn Gary? Who, speaking of people who are going to shove things down Let's my, go in my face and, that I'm wrong about, <laughs> he has oh, more, and... more sacks than the Smiths, right? <laughs> he does, and uh, maybe more pressures too. I, I think he leads the team in pressures. So he um, had he has more pressure. He had more pressures than Z this week, and I think he had more sacks total than both the Smiths. But yeah, he's he's pretty good. You could also, read this though as the Smiths' emergence last year has created a reemphasis on who's good in the Packers' defense and opened things up for Rashawn Gary. So, also true. Well, also, it's the the loss of Kenny Clark has Z playing over the middle a right. lot, so you're not gonna see see gaudy numbers out of him. Yeah, but that that's good for me because that means that he's happy to just do his job and help the team. Yep, even better. I I was trying to figure. I mean, obviously Gary is one of the darlings of the early season here, and I'm I'm you know trying to try to figure that out. Is it because things worked out for him that you know that the other guys are getting the attention, or he really is, you know, because to be worth his draft slot, you've got to be you got to be a game changer, pretty much. So I, I don't know if this shows that he's on. The, you know, is it too soon to say he's on the on the precipice of doing that? I feel like it might be a little early, but. Obviously, ever you should be encouraged, right? Yeah, I, I think it might. So it's 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 still too early. We have Vikings and Lions to, to deal with here, but <laughs> um, I I think we can maybe conclude that he's good because the the reason they drafted him is everything you said. He was off the charts athletic. He's he's probably the most athletic person on the team. Um, there are no people as big as Rashawn Gary who can do the things that he can do. The question with him was always developing techniques, sort of de- developing the nasty streak that you want out of those guys. Um, because he didn't, so I'm always skeptical of guys like this, develop, athletic development projects. I'm, I'm always going to be wrong on them when they do turn out right, because I think it's just hard to develop proper technique if you haven't really shown it in college. And it's hard, especially if you lack anything personality-wise, of the, just that grind to fight through and experience some pain um, that all linemen have to. But like Being a lineman is terrible. It's, it's just getting scratched and hit and kicked. And if you don't have the stomach to deal with that, you're not going to work out. But uh, his his grades are very good so far this year. And just looking at him, his technique is good. When he does lose a down, he usually comes back the next down and just destroys the guy in front of him. Like That's great to see in a small sample size so far. He's been winning with physical dominance, and he's been winning with like smart, good technique. He hasn't been out of position very much, which young guys often get. Um, that's a sign of not working that hard and not knowing where you're supposed to be. He looks like he's he's really learned it. And if... I think that that guy is either a star or a bust, and there's not much in between. And I think he might be a star. So this is very good to see. Um, and uh, well, I'm I'm wrong about him because I'm skeptical of guys like that. I also know I'm wrong about that. And I did say a lot of like he's an athlete. He needs time to develop. He might be good. I just don't think he will. But he looks like he's good. So um, I'm very very impressed with him so far. He's been great. And I, if he keeps doing this, that defense is going to be um, climbing up the charts every week. It's funny. I I uh, sent a tweet to Brett Coleman. The other day and was like hey just heads up Rashawn Gary's had a couple good games and he's like oh thank god <laughs> <laughs> yes he's indeed. he's been getting just non-stop shit about that draft profile yeah by the way Josh Allen also um shitting on my um my usually foolproof 
scheme of not liking guys who are athletic freaks but have no technique in college, who, who, who has also quietly been phenomenal in, in two games so far this year for the Bills. So. Are we the defender? Or, oh, the okay, Bills. I was like, yeah. are we talking the defender quarterback. or the quarterback? Quarterback. He's been great. I thought he would be terrible. I, I was. I don't think I've ever been sure about anything that then that guy's going to be a terrible quarterback. And he he has been just excellent so far. So I, I thought he was going to be Jeff George. Yeah. So just some hope for Jordan Love, maybe if uh, if Josh Allen can do it. Like, why not Jordan Love as well? Maybe so. Maybe Jordan so. Love is not an athletic freak. Does not have the tools. Jordan of, Love is an above average Allen. athlete. <laughs> but uh, you never know. Uh, so let's see here. We've went through all those things. Yeah, we did. Aaron Rodgers, Trescott. Yeah, wow. We we're actually pretty efficient today. Yeah, not bad. Also, Snacks um, Harrison got me driving the bus. I'm making it happen. Yep, we do. Yeah, so Snacks Harrison. Do we we still want Snacks because our run defense is bad? But from everything I hear, um, Snacks has had offers and is not sure he wants to play. So um, there there is that. And I've heard rumors that one of those offers was from the Packers, though I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, he himself said that the Packers reached out. Oh, well, okay. Then it is true. And then, <laughs> Confirmed. So, yeah. You should just sign on for, let me see the schedule. Like, is there a three-game stretch where they're gonna they're just going to need to run stop? Maybe, like, toward the end of the year when Tennessee's involved? That's, what's, uh, what's the schedule like? I just want them for the playoffs in case they run into, <laughs> like, the the Ravens or the 49ers, which they probably won't run into the 49ers, but they run into the Ravens or some good run team. That, that, that's all I want him for. Like th- I want him for like a four game contract. You're right. Like whatever he needs to be playoff eligible plus yeah. playoffs. That's all I want. There isn't a great corridor of the schedule. Tennessee is surrounded by a lot of crap at the end of the year. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they just don't have the schedule for this. I mean, they could, they could go like Tampa Bay, Houston, Minnesota, San Francisco, and then say goodbye, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. I also still, well, don't I think mean, they... Houston has David Johnson. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think they still don't really want to be that good against the run, but they need to be situation situationally good against the run. So they do need them. By the way, we should really quickly, everything was good except Montrevious Adams, who is, he's, oh dear. He's, he's very bad. Um, and he got just owned, um, especially in run defense all game long got pushed around and just doesn't look like um, he is meant to be out there. <laughs> Which is funny because the reports out of camp were that he was physically gifted, but a dumbass. Yeah. And the, none of that appears to be like, none he just of, yeah. looks like Kings- that's the equivalent, the run defense equivalent of getting put on a poster with a dunk. Absolutely. When Adrian yes. Peterson. In his in his late thirties is rolling around you and, uh. and oh man what what do you what was it though like they've they've held on to him way longer than they needed to so clearly there is something there uh, I just don't know what it could possibly be maybe he's great in practice maybe when he's being told exactly where to be and what to do he beats people up really well but man whenever he's in the game he is just always abused they people go after him. Uh, I can't. I w- I picked him to not make the team, and I feel vindicated on that one. <laughs> I I don't know why he sticks around. He must just show in practice. When it, sometimes you get guys like that, but yeah, what are you gonna do? Kingsley Kiki, by the way, very good. Need game snacks to take his side. place. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like Kingsley Kiki. I really do. Yeah. I like his name. I like his his tangential relationship to powerlifting. Like, just <laughs> it's good. <laughs> He plays Madden too. Hey, whoa. he's a Madden I didn't, guy. I, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Is he the best name on the Packers? 
Mm. Um, hmm. It's a good name. It is a very good, it's name. A good name. Yeah. Um, I can't think of another one I'd pick over him off the top. Of my I, head. I'm really lately. I'm enjoying uh, Josiah Deguara just because it's fun. It's, it's, fun. it's fun to say. It's thick on the tongue. Yeah. But no, I think I think he wins. Kingsley Kike is a is a great name. There mm-hmm. aren't many unusual ones. Marquez Valdez Scantling is probably the most unusual name. I mean, uh, equ- Equinemius. Oh yeah, yeah. I would st- I would go with Equinemius at this point. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. That that uh, good job, Kingsley. You have the best name. Um, so hey, you uh, know, um, e- EQ's brother is coming out next year, isn't he? He is, yeah. Uh, he was a Notre Dame receiver, I'm, right? Uh, I'm on Ra St. Brown. I'm on Ra St. Brown. I forget where he went to school, but yes, he is coming out yeah. next year. He's in the pack, pack isn't he? Pack I, I, I think he is. He plays with one of the awesome rookie or rookie freshman quarterbacks out there, but I can't remember which one. Uh, SC? SC yeah, would be how, a... How would you like to have the... Keaton Slovis is awesome, so it might be SC. But how, how awesome would it be to have the St. Brown brothers? It would. Good times. Such a, such a great name. I like that he changed his last name because there is no St. Brown. Um, the, the, the dad changed the last name. That's just made up. So good times. Yep. Um, yeah, their, their father. Cyrus, Cyrus, Equinemius, and Emon Ra are the, are the three siblings. Yes, and and they are the sons of John Brown. John Brown. <laughs> <laughs> good, good oh, that's fantastic. All right. Um, great names. <laughs> Uh, so so uh, I did mention Preston and Zadarius. We've kind of touched on that. Preston Smith, actually, I, I rewatched the game. I mean, he was obviously, he was very involved. But uh, Zadarius sort of moving positions a little bit without no Kenny Clark, I think, kind of explains why we maybe haven't seen him pop as much. And, uh, you know, Preston had that bad, that really bad offsides penalty. But for the most part, he's, I guess he's solid. So yeah. um, I think that I mean, is... maybe not popping off the page as much, but they're they're obviously still there. They're still there. They're still impacting plays, and I do think that is most of the explanation there. They have to do a lot more work when Kenny's out, and especially with Zedarius playing much more over that spot. Uh, that's just a tough assignment, and it's good that he's taking it on. It, it's like Eric Thames playing left field. It's like good good sports, nice work, <laughs> and uh, you know when Kenny's back, you can go back to wreaking havoc. I don't get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's there it's for everybody else. See. It's not pretty. Yep, it's not pretty. It is not. So, can we can we talk about correlation versus causation real quick? Sure. Um, we're getting they, heady. They don't some, equal some very some very uh, usually smart people on the timeline talking about how the Packers were running to win. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, uh, honestly, in this game. So, I, you know, I'm normally not a running to win is the thing. However, I believe in this game, the Packers did have the exact same yards per carry and yards per pass average. I think it was seven. It was, point... it was yards per drop back. Yards per drop back. OK. Yeah. So, you know, um, <laughs> you can in this specific instance, you can actually make a case that that's true. So the the also they were running against a light box. It was like. I'm pretty sure, like every single one of Aaron Jones' rushing attempts was against a seven-man box. I believe that's correct. The Lions, uh, they go light no matter what you do to them. They're kind of like Dom Capersy that way, and that's mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons they get run up on. They're, the same philosophy as the Packers; they just have no ability to stop it unless they go heavy, and they never go heavy. <laughs> it's all dime the whole time. So, yeah, and and so people were using it as like dunk on the analytics nerds because running backs matter and blah blah blah. Oh, it's like right. they're run they're running at an advantageous situation. That's literally. 
the analytics. Well, yeah, true. Um, but like, okay, so I understand. Like, we all us nerdy people say you only run to kill the clock at the end when you have a lead, protect it, be safe, all that jazz. But in this game, like, it, it's not like it's untrue. Like, they, they their running game was as effective as their passing game was. <laughs> so they they kind of did the, do that. It's fine. It's it, here's the thing. Like, it won't be repeated. There's not a defense that's going to be as bad against the run as the Lions are, unless the Packers play themselves at some point. And so it, <laughs> it it's not going to happen again. So the the adage is mostly true. Like you you run to protect leads, and that's fine. But in this specific instance, Aaron Jones was incredible and as efficient as Aaron Rodgers. So I I, I actually will stick up for uh, for Ben a little bit on this one. Fair enough. But I just, I really, I really, really hate the phrase run to win. I think anytime someone says that, it just triggers me. I'm just, run to win. I mean, the Ravens run to win. It's not impossible. They're hey, but but when, when someone says run to win, the, the thing that comes to mind is Emmett Smith, three yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah, I agree like, with that. Not, not the Ravens running triple option with Hollywood Brown running a go. So we need, we need <laughs> the new run to win, the, the modern run to win. So. What does DVOA say I should do? Exactly that. It says you should pass, but that's fine. All right, should, should we do? Should we do questions? Let's do questions. Let's do questions and get on up up on out of here. So our first question is from a guy named Andy Schaff. Um, so Andy Schaff. Yes. Um, and uh, is, is this thro- is this capital letters throwing more from the pocket uncapital un- version of Rogers an intentional change by him coaches that he's, that's here to stay or just easy early opponents? And don't say a combination of both. Um, it's a combination is... of both. <laughs> um, I think it's here to stay. I think this is him buying into the scheme and understanding that there will likely be a very open guy if he is looking in the right place. And as long as that continues to happen and the scheme is effective at springing guys open, he'll keep throwing in rhythm. He'll have his instances of rolling out and buying time and all that crap. But I think... We shouldn't underestimate how much being in the McCarthy offense, which everybody knew how to cover, which was guys running standard route tree routes and having to out-execute people, um, had Rodgers just kind of spooked at not having open guys to throw to a lot of the time, at least not open enough for him. And in this offense, he does. So I think it is here to stay, and I think you'll keep seeing it all season long unless they run into just a, a line that terrorizes him all game. That that might happen. The Bears still have a very good line. But as long as their awesome offensive line holds up and the play calling is still as good, I think you've got Rodgers throwing on time for the rest of the year. See, in, in the tradition of uh, taking a very small Aaron Rodgers quote and making it the soundbite of the season, I really think that the I was watching my 2010-2011 film is like, <laughs> that's that's the soundbite of the season. I think you might be right about that. We're going to keep hearing that one. But that's that's the thing is like like throwing on time, throwing over the middle, uh, throwing to guys that aren't mercilessly open. Yep. Like like these are things he used to do that he didn't for a few years, and now he does again. And hopefully, he overthrew. What's that? He overthrew. He overthrew running back. Um, I think it was Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield. And overthrew him badly. I remember that. One. It's true that Minnesota game. I I think I brought up a short pass. Was that stuck out because it was like the only time the whole game where it really felt like Aaron Rodgers was off. So same thing in the Detroit game. He throws that bad pass. It's like, wow, that's like what it looked like last year. And two years ago, you had to be worried that he would just sort of botch a, a short or medium pass. Not anymore. Like when that ball leaves his hand and there's a second where you don't see what's downfield, you know, there's going to be a receiver there. Like, you know, it's going to be a great pass. He's yep. just 
he's just on, as on time as he's ever been. And yeah, you got to credit what the scheme is doing to get guys open for him. Yep, indeed. 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 All right. From from Chris Carr. The Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. Or you know what? They will at least go to the NFC Championship game and face Seattle again. That's 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 happening. It's totally happening. Just get mercilessly destroyed in I, Seattle. I don't know about that. I mean, um, that'll be I think a fascinating matchup. Packer pass defense. I think by then will have impressed everybody, and we'll go into that game actually being very good. But uh, uh, I don't. Seattle's defense isn't all that. Like, I think that's a, a winnable game. Uh, it's a fantastic game. I right, hope we but, can see it, but. But we're talking about the return of Godgers when freaking Russell Wilson's going Super Saiyan, like ascending to the next plane. Like he is. Like um, that, that that would be like people talk about like like the elite quarterback matchups for the ages. You want to talk the way Russell Wilson's playing now mm-hmm. and the way Aaron Rodgers is playing now. There's your elite quarterback matchup for the ages. Yep, that's let Russ cook has worked very well so far this year. They should have done it earlier. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, choose not to buy into Russell Wilson after just two games while simultaneously believing that Aaron Rodgers is all the way back <laughs> after two games. Agreed. Agreed. Small sample size for for thee, but not for me. Selective small sampling. <laughs> all right. Chris Karlecki, uh, where do matchups fa- favor the Packers in the, uh, the Saints game? Um, which we just saw the Saints play a, a terrible game and lose to the Raiders on Monday night. Um <laughs> And it favors the Packers when they're on offense. <laughs> if Drew Brees is holding the ball, we have a chance. So the, the one the one place that this, this does somewhat favor the Saints, uh, there's two places. One is Marshawn Lattimore is a very good cornerback, one of the best in football. It, it'll be the first time this year that Devontae Adams has actually had to go up against someone who's half competent. And um, it, it's one thing when he's out and they know he's out and they can target and scheme up the other guys. It's another thing when Devontae is there, but not as open as normal because it does come, sometimes create some problems when Rodgers forces it to him and he's actually got somebody on him that's that's worth a damn. So there's that. There's also running the ball. The Saints, yeah, they have Drew Brees, who is apparently washed up. But for the last few seasons, they've actually been perfectly happy to pound the ball if it's being if it's effective. And against the Packers, it's effective. Like Alvin Kamara is probably going to have a huge game. And uh, if if they have 35 carries in that game, don't be that surprised. It's the kind of thing they would do. So um, it, it is incumbent on the Packers to stay ahead and prevent that from happening. But if they fall behind at all, then it could go in the Saints' favor a little bit. That's all I'll say. All right. Um, let's well see. said. Thanks. Uh, we kind of so Jonathan Deal. We kind of touched on um, how is the Kevin King question, which is he's been so good that he's barely been targeted. <laughs> what more can you ask for from a corner? Um, and that's why you haven't heard his name. It's weird. It's it's really weird. Packer corners generally have been outstanding and not the story. So can't can't beat that. Um, let's see. Jason Spitz, can Jay Sternberger really be this unplayable, or is dropping pitch and catch throws a phase that will pass? Uh, I mean, Devontae, Devontae got through it, right? He did. He did. Guys get through it. <laughs> Guys do get through it. Um, I. Th- so it would be one thing if he was being counted on to like be MVS and run deep balls all the time and just couldn't ever bring it in. But this just seems like a concentration problem. Like the the pass he dropped in that game was a catch that like I'm probably going to make a lot of the time. Not that I would be open or anything like that. <laughs> but you know, it wasn't like a rocket that you had to stretch out for. It's wide open. Like nobody was guarding him. <laughs> Uh, that's just a rookie nervous concentration problem. Uh, it, it's worrisome. He's still apparently quite far down on the depth chart and behind 
Mercedes and Bob, so it, it's not without concern. He should be a little further along, but I think we mentioned a few times on this. You know, he is on the COVID list um, earlier in the year. He may still be recovering a little. We don't know if he had it, but he, we don't we don't know his situation. And he missed a lot of last year. But we year. do know he missed he missed practice time. He missed practice time. Yep. Team practice time, whatever. And he missed time last year with an injury too. It takes tight ends a while to come around, and he's missed time of that he could be using to develop. So, no no reason to panic. And on supposedly. Jay. He looked terrible in practice when he was there. That he just he just wasn't all together either, you know, mentally, physically, whatever. So, yep. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it's a long road with him, and uh, he's he's also a hope for a flash. He's also a middling athlete, and Paul doesn't like those at tight end. <laughs> That's true. I don't. Um, <laughs> it, it's okay if if you're well rounded. If it, like if you're going to be a good blocker, that's fine. Then I'm fine with it. But uh, and he maybe is still don't know that actually. Got to see him block a little bit more. All right. Um, Max asked, we talked about Aaron Jones' contract already, and I think we kind of answered this. Like, JR is pay the man. I am probably don't pay the man. Matt, do you have a definitive pay Aaron Jones or not pay Aaron Jones? Uh, I, I'm so on the fence with this. Like, it's <laughs> like I can't I can't be the deciding vote. I don't want to pay a $14 million running back, but I don't want to lose Aaron Jones. And so maybe, yeah, maybe. But, the- to be clear, though. I, I just want to be clear. I am not saying we should. I'm not saying Packers should pay the man. I'm saying the Packers will pay the man. Okay, fair enough. Good distinction. Okay, then I'm with Jr. I think they will pay him. <laughs> Way to answer a different question. Um, uh, I, so <laughs> I still don't think they will, but I would also I would I would also advise them not to. I just, I just think that's too much. I have a price that I would pay him, but I don't think he'll be available at it. So um, even though he's been what's, great, what's your price? Let's. I think it's like talk about that. What's your price? I think the most I would pay Aaron Jones is like seven per year, and I would I would Gosh. go no more than three years. That because that that gets him up to his age twenty nine. So you'd you'd go twenty one over twenty one over three. Twenty one three, I would do yeah. Okay. Would this you would, would you go higher or lower value? <laughs> I I think I think that that's a totally fair number for like what I was thinking. Okay. Um. Melvin Gordon is two sixteen, so that would be eight a year. I think that's a fair number. Yeah, um, but yeah, Le- I think he's going to get paid more than Le'Veon, but less than than Zeke. I think that's and so probably Zeke is true. Zeke is fifteen a year. Le'Veon is just over thirteen a year. All right, but Zeke is a six year contract, so I think, <laughs> yeah, I think he gets fourteen a year for four years. Yeah, that's my all right. I, I think that's a good wager, and that's why I say no. All right, here's a good one that we can answer quickly as well from Justin Sayon. Are the Bears the biggest threat to the Packers in the division? Um, anybody want to answer first before I say the obvious thing? <laughs> um, I mean, are you afraid of an okay team or two tire fires? Exactly. Biggest threat to the division is the Packers' health. I th- yeah, that's a good one. I think that's probably true. If they happen to suffer something like Rodgersian, that would be very bad, and they would become bad instantly, but... Um, yeah, the Bears are good at something. They're good at defense. They're, they've actually been frisky on offense, I would say. Um, Trubisky is still bad, but he's been reasonably productive. Allen Robinson is just a, amazing, even though he doesn't want to be there. Um, so, yeah, the, the Bears are the second best team. That I think we're pretty clear the, the Vikings are bad. They're, that's not good. That's very bad. And the Lions, um, you know, they almost beat the Bears. If they would have beat the Bears, maybe we're having a different conversation, but... They look they look awful as well, and their coach is dumb. It's never good to have a dumb coach. It's nothing nothing ends you faster. All right, um, 
let's see. Um, and uh, to to almost home, um, yes, the David Montgomery pick is still terrible. Um, nothing will ever change my view on that, no matter how good he is, because. <laughs> Uh, because he is a running back and they've already basically missed out on either of his possible cheap production. Um, and he is good so far this year for, because he played the Lions. So yeah, still bad pick, but you, you knew, you knew what I was going to say. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, a saints question from, from months. Moy one. Um, what's happening with Marcus Davenport for whom the saints gave the Packers an additional first round pick. Is he injured or just not as good as the Saints scouts he's, thought? He's bad. He's bad. He's not that bad, and he is injured. He was okay last but year. He, but he wasn't two first-round picks good. He was not two first-round picks good, but he was average, which is fine. And he is, he he has a hurt elbow this year, which is why he has not played. So, um, yes, he is. Yes, that good, good, Matt. No, it's good. Nobody could see that because I would have had to hit the explicit <laughs> button for it. Um, <laughs> so, Marcus Davenport's fine. He is a starting caliber player. He's not great. He's okay, but he is hurt, and that's why he's not playing this year. Um, he will be back, I think, in two weeks, but not for the Packer game. Um, and uh, Jay Google saved you for the last this time instead of first. Makes Steve happy. Um, the offense is built around having competent tight ends. If the tight ends continue to struggle, will LeFleur make changes to the offense? Um, I think no. No is the answer. The, the, uh, the offense will be the same. I mean, it's good to have better tight ends, but there's lots for the tight ends to do in this offense. Deguera, I think does a lot of it as his weird hybrid H back, but like everybody has got a thing. Mercedes Lewis is still great at blocking. He had a great blocking game um, as he always, always does. And it's still still good for a a leak out every once in a while when people don't expect it. And Bob, Bob had a good, Bob had a nice game, uh, you know, in, in limited snaps as, as a receiver. So, um, He's going to keep using those guys, hoping Jace comes around. But the tight end role can kind of shrink and expand based on who's out there and who's doing different things. So um, he's got guys he can work with. They're not ideal. It won't be probably its full thing until they get somebody Kittle-like. But, uh, you know, you can't plan to have a Kittle. Those come along only select, you know, once in a little, once a generation or so. So, um, uh, No, they don't if you ask your Michael Finley. <laughs> well, nobody should ask him anything. <laughs> No, nobody should really talk to Jermichael Michael Finley at this point. <laughs> uh, that guy. I, I've been doing that series, looking back at the 2010 season game by game, and I week two posted uh, today's we record this on Tuesday, and week three I, I've I've just finished it on the on a Bears game. It was a loss at the last second on a field goal. Uh, Jermichael Finley had back to back hundred yard receiving games in those games. So ten years ago, Jermichael's really good. Can't speak to maybe you know 2020, but yep. He's got confidence. That's what you like to see. He was a great one. He he believes in himself more than anybody else ever will. So. How do you how do you have back to back hundred yard games and then finish the season with six hundred yards? That's a really good question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he hurt? No, he wasn't hurt that season. No, he he played in fourteen games that year. Yeah, or he started fourteen games. He played in sixteen. I don't know. It was but a weird season. What are you gonna do? All right. So I think. Uh, and, and, just real quick on the tight end thing, Tom Silverstein, again, uh, Green 19, really suggesting that Jimmy Graham being in this offense might have screwed up Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Not like permanently, but just that Aaron Rodgers feeling the obligation to get Jimmy the ball, a guy who's <laughs> not fit for the offense and also bad. They have, uh, you know, just complicated things and made, you know, made it made it made it harder to, to go because he's trying to keep that part of the engine 
you know, running. So, uh, so not having the emphasis on the tight end might actually be, you know, opening things up a little bit. Yeah, a lot to be said for that. Jimmy, there's a lot of bad film on Jimmy last year, being told to go out there and block and then leak out and not executing the block and getting Aaron killed. And Aaron targeted him a bunch, even though he was bad and never open. And veterans sometimes get some deference there. Him being the focus of part some plays that not Jimmy being gone is definitely a huge upgrade, regardless of who replaces him, because. While Mercedes Lewis may be a good blocker and not a good receiver, and Bob might be a good receiver and not a good blocker, they're both better at something than Jimmy is, who is good at nothing. <laughs> All right. Ah, uh, the Bears. The Bears, Can't wait man. for the Bears. I can't believe they paid it. They're so stupid. Uh, stupid GM versus stupid um, coach versus whatever happened to the Vikings. Stupid salary cap management. Oh, there, there you go. There's your hear no evil, see no evil, th- uh, think no evil right there. Um, Packers have avoided all of <laughs> Good times. All right, let's get out of here. Let's go do other fun stuff. So uh, any any plugs this week? JR, I know you have lots of good stuff because I've been reading your stuff. Yeah, I just I kind of just plugged it. The week yep. we look at look at week two is up against the Buffalo Bills. It was uh, not a super remarkable game. They played sluggishly in the first half, came back and won and moved to two and zero, and they were uh, they were riding high. Actually, then that goes into the Monday night game against Chicago uh, that they lose in walk off fashion, pretty much, and. Uh, they were they were the only two and O teams left in the NFC by the time the Monday night game rolled around. So, Bears Packers was uh, was pretty lit from the beginning. That's back crazy, in actually. Other than that, not, yeah, I know. Other than that, not much cooking right now. It's uh, it's been it's been a little slow, but obviously, uh, check in with everything I got at jsonline.com on a regular basis. And Matt, anything? I made my first piece of content in oh. uh, months, months awesome. and months. Is for that Acme Packing Company? Is that hot take of the week? Yep, hottest take of the week is up on Acme Packing Company. Um, might it, it was it went up on Saturday, so it might not even be on the, the front page by the time that this comes out. But uh, yeah, hottest take of the week is out there. Check my Twitter for the link if you really are interested. Um, I make fun of Jermichael Finley and say like like I'm usually pretty goofy about it, but I really was upset with the way Domovsky handled the DVOA thing, and I got kind of <laughs> serious. Eh. When a when a journalist uses the phrase "I don't want to learn," it bothers me to my core. Yeah, you shouldn't write that down. It's gonna it's gonna show up for a while. Um, <laughs> not good, yeah. Rob. So, so the first the first eight minutes of a thirteen minute video, or ha 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 ha, and then I get kind of like, fucking. All right. Yeah, it's it. Can hardly it's a wait good to dichotomy. Can hardly wait to watch the grunting. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, um, I wrote a piece today um, on how. DVOA has historically treated the Packers and its usefulness in terms of assessing and finding diamonds in the rough for the Packers. Um, c- continuing our DVO th- DVOA theme for the week, uh, a reminder to everybody, if you do go to MKETailgate, uh, sorry, patreon.com slash MKETailgate, someday I'll get that right, uh, and join at the $5 level. If you are a $5 subscriber uh, as of October 15th, I will give you one of, I think, five shirts that I'll be getting that are the DVOA shirts that APC and Football Outsiders put together together. So um, I've, I've had a few other columns um, previewing the lines last week, writing about DVOA, writing about stats, generally speaking, and uh, that ought to do it. So um, everybody, this, this is a Sunday night game, first one of the year, first non-standard time of the year. Should be kind of a, a fun one. Um, I'm going to be watching outside um, in front of a roaring fire with my projector and uh Looking forward to uh, to the first uh, full Sunday of Sunday ticket. So everybody have a good Sunday and enjoy the game.
Get it swallowed.